Welcome to yeah. Fran... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to what? Frances McDormand? Yeah, she's in that movie. Um, Welcome to In Front of Ira, the podcast where we're both dressed for a summer in the Hamptons. Exactly. Which is nice. I'm, uh, even if you, if you can't you see were, You have the lobster shirt, which is... Yeah, I have a lobster this is shirt. perfectly... I'm wearing... And I'm a lobster wearing, necklace, and it's matching, and... This is like, like, and you don't want us to use the video? What is wrong with you? Yeah, because this is a <laughs> podcast. I mean, I look very nice and everything, and we can use still. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing like an old beat-up L bean shirt, so that's yeah, yeah, that's Bean perfect. Hamptons. Welcome to In Front of Ira. We're Sabrina. And Torsten. Two historians. And friends. And lovers. Of romantic comedies. And this is the podcast in which we answer the age-old question. Will they or won't they? Is it or isn't it a romantic comedy? Technically, that's two questions. I can't do this with you right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's the lobster talking. I can look at the microphone or you, like, like you're kind of behind the microphone. Anyway, <clears throat> welcome to In Front of Ira, the podcast where we discuss microphones and the best uh, get up to go to the Hamptons. Yeah, and it was today years old when I figured out where the Hamptons actually are, I think. <laughs> uh, it's technically like, like, it feels like, it feels like it should be New England. It's like New England... I mean, it sort of is, if you really look where it is off the coast, it's more off the coast of Providence and Newport and New London and New Haven rather than it's of New York City. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's New England. It's New England. It's just like, it's a, whatever the fuck the name is in English, the Landzunge, like it, the, it's just, you can drive there from New York easily because that's where the land goes but if you look at where geographically it is in terms of then it's mostly like kind of new but yeah you can drive there easily because that's where the land goes is going to be a tagline (laughs) yes i'm a maritime expert in my j crew lobster (laughs) t-shirt um but Uh, no yeah i never knew where it was i never actually looked i mean there's so many like are they supposed to be in a town uh like, is it is it like i mean she has a beach house and it seems to be a bit off the grid i mean they're shot on location so we can just figure out where the house is that they used i guess but but is it is it like a town given or is it just like the magical town where keanu reeves is a, yeah d hamptons i don't know it's it's <laughs> hampton it's like the it's, old the old I french mean, speaking part i mean it was also like today when i figured out that obviously it's called the hamptons because it's several towns all ending in hampton like southampton west hampton east hampton see i never thought about this <laughs> um and and that's what confused me momentarily because it was like i know this is this can't like this is the beach so it can't be upstate new york but there's also a bunch of hamptons in upstate new york because apparently the english settlers were very very uh creative in um naming their towns yeah i see i see uh i see new haven uh and new london right there in, yeah, uh, in exactly. connecticut so uh all right so um i thought sag harbor was in maine Maybe there's another one. Yeah, there's probably another one because again, creative <coughs> name giving. But yeah, 
Hello, I mean, yeah. I mean, they always take like this bus there, and I'm there in September, and I'm very tempted to see if I can go. But anyway, um, yeah, something's gotta give. Something's gotta give. Which is a romantic comedy from 2003, which makes it 20 years old, which makes me feel very old. Um, because yeah. I saw that in the theater. Um, and it I is, saw the trailer in the theater. I did not see great. the movie. Uh, written and directed by Nancy Myers, who's obviously done a bunch of other romantic comedies as well, um, including after this mostly uh, The Holiday, It's Complicated, um, The Intern, which is not really one. Um, and before that, she uh, was probably best known for a Private Benjamin. Um, Never seen that. Uh, with a very young Goldie Hawn, right? Yes, that's that one. And then, um, and then the father of the bride and the father of the bride part two, mm. and um, the Parent Trap as well, like the the remake, the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap, which is also sort of a romantic comedy because it's about um, them getting their parents back together, which is one of my favorite films ever. Um, and oh yeah, and she did what women want before something's gonna give. So the the oh. um, Mel Gibson. I did he, see that like, in theaters. Me too, I think. No, no, I would have been too young, but I saw it very soon after. I think. Um, but yeah, something's gonna give. Two thousand three, starring uh, Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson as the romantic leads, and then it's also otherwise stacked cast because the rival love interest for Diane Keaton is none other than Keanu Reeves. Um, and then there's Frances McDormand, who's barely in the movie, but she's Keaton's sister. And then Amanda Peet, who's her daughter, um, who Jack Nicholson's character actually dates at the beginning of the film. So, right. Let's, let's start. Yeah. Let's, let's be a little bit chronological That's, about that because yeah. this movie is two hours and eight minutes long. And I think we need to kind of mm-hmm. stick to where it goes in order to make sense of it. So we're starting off with this scene in the convertible where Amanda Pete and Jack Nicholson are driving up to Amanda Pete's family house in the Hamptons. And she's teasing him uh, that he won't meet her mom because she's not his type because she's over 30 years old. And Jack Nicholson at this point is like 63, at least in the movie. Um, yeah, Nicholson is 66. I actually looked it up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Amanda Pete is probably around 30 at this point, um, yeah, pretty much. She's supposed to be, I think. And, uh, uh, and she's dating him. And uh, the first thing that I noticed was the the atrociously noticeable poor man's process when they're sitting in the car like the fact that there's rear projection going on and the car is like wobbling around them and i'm like how much did this movie cost and i looked it up and it was 80 million dollars yeah if you think about it is crazy but i but since i am the nerd who watched they had two different audio commentaries for this on my disc which i'm very happy about but you know what happened so they went to the hamptons to shoot on location and were met with the worst weather in the history of the hamptons in like several decades so they were supposed to shoot the car in the actual car and not use like a green screen for it um because they shot all the like uh, outdoor stuff on location but then it was such bad weather that they couldn't do it. And so they had to go to a little sound stage that was behind some market in the Hamptons. Because That's they why still it looks like, the way it looks. Yeah, yeah, because it's like this little sound stage. It's not on the sound stage in LA where they shot all the interiors for the yeah. house and all of that. That would have had a better like 
green screen, but they had to do like they had to shoot that scene on schedule and ended up doing it in the Hamptons, but on a soundstage, which is ridiculous. But that's what they had to do, and they keep pointing it out in both Movie audio magic. commentaries because obviously they can tell too. And it's like it is what it is. You have to sometimes. I kind of, I kind of like. I noticed it. I don't think I minded it as much because it's. It makes the movie feel a little bit smaller, which I think is actually good because mm. it is this huge budget uh, budget uh, Hollywood romantic comedy, which uh, I calculated it would be something between 130, 160 million dollars in today's money. So that's like a lot of money. Yeah, and I mean, um, it feels much, much more like a like a play. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the money, I don't know what the salaries would have been for Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson, but you can always budget a ton of this money going towards having those two actors in it. And I mean, it's totally worth it, um, which we'll, I'm sure, talk about their performances. But um, I would assume a lot of the budget is there. And then also, I mean, shooting on location always adds budget and they were trying with the Hamptons and I mean they do shoot on the beach and all of that and they do actually they did actually shoot the ending in Paris which would have added on a ton of money all right is that why so, it's the same hotel as in a French Kiss at least that's what I thought it was the it one where you walk be. out and you see um, the Eiffel Tower I'm yeah, not so 100% they, they shot in that hotel and they actually shot in the restaurant and they spent like two weeks going back and forth using this restaurant because they probably couldn't shut that down the whole time so they would do it at night um so I, I assume that also adds on a ton of budget because doing a leng- lengthy location shoot usually yeah. is very expensive. I um, mean, it's probably fun for everyone involved. Yeah. So we are in the car. They arrive in the house in the Hamptons. And uh, the thing that we know will happen happens uh, because Amanda Pete and uh, Jack Nicholson are fooling around and then he's getting a snack at the fridge and uh, in walk Diane Keaton and Frances McDormand uh, because obviously she is there and uh, there was just not really good communication going on in that family about who is going to be at the house when so uh, she their meet cute is uh, Diane Keaton and uh, Francis McDormand thinking that uh, Jack Nicholson is a burglar and calling the police. And yeah, then it, uncalling the police <laughs> immediately when it turns out that he's not. Which yeah, is she still on the phone? Happen. It's that classic thing of like, oh, but never mind, it's my daughter's boyfriend. Which right. the police probably gets all the time. Also, like I'm now mentioning a spinoff where we we meet the police officer in the in, like, I don't know, fucking Binghamton, which and like exist. all these movies and like but, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a murder she wrote situation. They're probably too busy um, investigating all these people dropping dead because Jessica Fletcher is in town. So like he didn't have time for that anyway. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so yeah, this is how they meet. And then obviously everyone is trying to be very polite and it's like, oh no, you can stay, you can stay. And this is how um, they end up trapped in the house together. And then obviously immediately there's this clash because, well, you know, um, there's that massive age gap between the two of them, even though I think it's it's interesting to me that that isn't immediately what she says to her, essentially. Like, Diane Keaton, like, her mother isn't immediately going, like, oh, my God, he's so much older than you. What the fuck are you doing? Even though that's constantly implied, obviously. But she's, I think she's much more worried about the fact that he's 
this ladies man type and like music producer and whatever mm. and what the fuck are you doing and i think the age is another factor in it because it's like what what do you see in him and she's very clear about like you know he's fun and he's actually like a smart guy and he has this career and whatever which i thought was interesting because i think it also makes a difference that amanda Pete's character is like 30 ish and not like 20 because i think that would make him creepy whereas this is still like oh why are you doing this but she has agency in it and he i don't know he seems to still like treat her well i don't know like they they're treading very fine lines and they usually manage and i think part of it is also how exactly her mother reacts to him like what she takes issue with rather like you know that's it would have been yeah and we also can't can't call that out immediately because then you're signposting even more clearly what is obviously going to happen so it's probably just a little bit of deflection like we're not going to mention the age because he's much closer to my age and like huh interesting yeah um and and i mean obviously they're doing no my we're getting email here yeah sorry i turned everything <laughs> off and then obviously it didn't take oh anyway. i should do the the the, the fo- focus mode thing um yeah i think i have everything off now um but yeah anyway so um yeah we're not they're not signposting it as much and also they need to establish him as a valuable love interest for her later so they can turn him into a complete creep or they can turn him into someone who's completely devoid of charm or you know that we need to understand the appeal even if we might understand it less for someone that's so much younger than him but we still need to understand the appeal of him as a person and as a potential yeah love interest and i think we do actually like it works i mean it definitely also works because it's jack nicholson and he's like inherently charming like he's just but that's actually like a thing that in this movie did not work for me I, you're I, a man. I'm a man. And, <laughs> heterosexual. And I, and I I, found it kind of a stretch that Jack Nicholson, you know, wandering about with that hairstyle um, would be appealing to any woman in this movie. So it didn't quite click for, like, I think it spent, like, about a third of the movie trying to tell myself, no, no, this is going to be valuable like romantic story here i don't think it really quite clicked for me until pretty pretty late in the movie i mean i think nicholson and diane keaton they have amazing chemistry so there's that like they act very well of each other they're also just actor great actors in their own right and i mean they both stressed that in the other commentaries they didn't do one together um, but they both did separate ones with nancy myers but they bo- they all talk about sort of like I think Jack Nicholson says a friend of his or a mutual friend of his and Diane Keaton said that, you know, Diane could have played your love interest in basically all of the movies you did. And he's like, it's not completely true, but it speaks to sort of like them having repartee or like having whatever it is, uh, like, you know, the chemistry. Like that's that, that I buy and I buy Diane Keaton as the love interest. I'm completely on board with. And I, only remember Diane Keaton mostly from from those those Woody Allen movies that she was always in, yeah, and I never quite found her that interesting or appealing. But she's incredibly adorable in this. She's adorable. She's cute. She's she's a, a strong character in that she she makes some kind of uh, I don't know. She she makes some some ridiculous decisions. She stands behind them. She's she's I'm completely on board with Diane Keaton as the love interest. I did not, did not 
Nicholson did not click with me until again, like almost halfway through or like 40. Yeah. I mean, obviously he needs to grow on you. He's not supposed to be immediately super likable either. Like we're still supposed to view him mostly through the lens of Diane Keaton and Francis McDormand rather than Amanda Peet, I think, because we do have that moment of like, why is she with that much older guy? Like, what does he have to offer? But I do think that they're making, they're trying to sell him and I do think it works. Um, there's the dinner scene that obviously that's where they clash the most, like when they're all staying over now and then they're having dinner together. And um, you mean and the then, Nora Ephron scene? Yeah, and then um, there's there's that bit of information we get about him that he used to date Diane Sawyer mm-hmm. when she was much younger, like when they're both much younger. But apparently Nancy Myers called Diane Sawyer to ask if she could use her in this, but she felt like this is the only person. That would make sense. And then he obviously says, like, well, women your age love that about me, which is also just an amazing line because he's like, well, you know, I used to date Diane Sawyer and she had great legs. Everyone is like, why do you, it's Diane Sawyer. Like, she did things that have nothing to do with her legs. Um, And I think that's perfectly, like, sort of encapsulates how, like, he sees women, obviously, and how they see women or how they see relationships. And so, okay, so the story starts... They're, they're meeting, they try to be adults about it, and the moment that Amanda Peet and Jack Nicholson fool around, and I'm not going to pretend like I remember Amanda Peet's name in this, um, fool around, uh, he basically drops with a heart attack, which leads to the most incompetent scene of CPR <laughs> I have ever seen. On- yeah, because he also doesn't even want her right. to kiss him if it's about he like does, saving his life. He's still there. He's still lucid. He's still breathing. Why is she giving him mouth to mouth when he's I mean, breathing? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's funny, Everyone's but it's also... It's, it's yeah. a lot of, like, it's, I think it's, that uh, bit is... That bit is the most slapstick, while also sort of being serious. Like they, yeah. they also have this fine line again, where it's like, well, you know, this is this grave situation. Um, oh, he does also- slapstick really well in this. Oh movie. yeah. Oh yeah. my god. And then, and then, obviously, in the hospital, they get him to the hospital. Um, that the, the doctors can Reeves, they stabilize him, and then you know, he's like, well, you know, he'll be fine. He'll just need more rest. Um, and then, but there's then there's that scene where he's high on pain meds and. And then comes out in his hospital gown, which is obviously we all know what hospital gowns are like. And we see his naked ass. And I love the the audio commentary for this too, because they obviously talked about how much ass were they gonna show, like how how much can they get away with in terms of you know rate, but also like stuff like that. And 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 she was like Nancy Myers. Like how, how, wait, how, where did they land? Because that looked like whole ass to me. Oh, no, no. Whole ass is fine. But like, how often does she want to cut back there oh, okay. for it to stop being funny or like being, you know, but it's, it's just, he's, he's like, I mean, obviously Jack Nicholson has had all these parts, but I think still when I think of Jack Nicholson, I think of The Shining or I think of more serious material but he's I think like that was my problem with this movie i kept thinking like he was very much the shining jack nicholson in this <laughs> nah, i mean it's also no. deserted like it's far out and it's i don't know it's like it's just my association it's yeah just but but he's so funny like that, yeah. that that hospital gown scene and then and then obviously we get all the the comedy from the fact that keanu reeves as well keanu reeves and then um he immediately like is into Diane Keaton, especially when he notices who she is, because she's a famous playwright 
which is also how she can afford the uh, the fancy house in the Hamptons in the first place. Obviously, Jack Nicholson has no clue who she is, and that's a whole. Thing. I mean, he's a he's a hip hop music producer who yeah, but doesn't it, know anything about plays. They also make a, a point of the fact, which is true, like in the other commentary, that at first, because now obviously the plot point is. Because of the heart attack, he's not stable enough to travel far enough and then has to stay with her. But um, even when he starts staying with her, he, he and then realizes and gets to hear she's like this famous player, he never even Googles her. And this is already at a time where he can easily just find out who she is or just ask about her. Um, until, until the moment when we're supposed to start realizing that he does actually take an interest to her. This is when he starts looking her up. But before that, he doesn't care. Whereas right, Keanu it's Reeves, a plot point. He, yeah, he exactly. Googles her as a plot, plot point. Exactly. <clears throat> but like, he also doesn't really care about her as a person per se before this. Like, she is the mother of the mm-hmm. person he wants to date. That's who she is to him. Even does after she, she does, he Google her before or after uh, he sees her naked in the kitchen. I don't remember. <laughs> I think after, which also okay. t- tells you things. Like... <laughs> but. I, Someone will come and be like, you're wrong. I watched it three times in a row and I still don't. But I do think he tells her at least that he Googled her when he comes in and asks her to to go for a walk on the beach. And I think when Mm. he does that, he comes in and says like, oh, are you decent? You know, Mm. because they run into each other the night before naked. Um, I mean th- that's another great slapstick scene where he, oh God, yeah. where they're like, uh, oh, which which also is is some of these things work, but they they do require quite a bit of suspension of disbelief. Um, when she's basically like wearing the turtlenecks, and he makes this comment that she always wears the turtlenecks, and then she wears the turtleneck during her writing session until like way deep into the night um she's she's she she wears her turtleneck and then she's done writing she flips close the computer and she immediately starts walking and undressing like the 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 transition from i am writing i'm writing in my turtleneck writing outfit to i am going to be free and i'm going to go to bed is like immediate i mean i think she's also just stuck in her ways which is something we learn about her like she's just there and she writes and she does it by herself and she's just simply not used to having anyone even there and i think that's that moment of like somewhere in the back of her head she knows he's there but she also knows it's like 3 a.m and why would she run into him and i mean it is brought up later and it's like why do you walk through your house naked when you know he's also there so there is also that layer to it i mean she i I under i understand that part because like if you've done this like 150 days out of the year and there's never anyone around why would you change it's still it seemed it seemed like an odd ritual but you know I mean, I thought she was going to take a shower, honestly. I I haven't fact-checked this, but my my logic for this was, like, she's done with her work day, no matter what time of day it actually is. It's interesting. It's an interesting... She strips down, goes to take a shower before bed, and so she's just naked. It's an interesting parallel to what her daughter does when they enter the house, where basically Amanda Peet gets into the house and immediately wants to get down to things and starts undressing as she walks backwards through the house and explains the two-story family room to Jack Nicholson in, in which they won't spend any time. So so that's that's kind of an interesting parallel. I'm not sure if that's on purpose, but um, yeah. per- perhaps that's just the way in the Hamptons if you're there alone in the house. Yeah, why would you leave? I mean, she's also stripping down because it's like, oh, we're going to the pool, and, and I mean, obviously get it on, but also like strip mm. down to go swimming um, and stuff. And, um, and then but, he sees her 
naked in the kitchen because he's wandering through the house randomly, which which leads I mean, to, it's to also this pretty funny scene. Yeah, yeah, it's also established that they're both insomniacs, which makes sense yeah. for the age, but also for their personalities of like being workaholics. Um, so yeah, and this is and yeah, and I mean, someone said it's not true. Apparently, the Diane Keaton had a different topless scene when she was much younger in the seventies and something. But other than that, that's her only nude scene, which is interesting because she does it like she does full nudity in at, at age fifty-seven in this. And I mean, it's which mostly which, which serves last. it really serves the movie yeah. because. Otherwise, you would you would be like, oh no, like it wouldn't it wouldn't be as funny if, yeah. if she wasn't like we see Jack Nicholson's ass, we see Diane Keaton's full frontal, and and it feels like a trade off, like we're we're good now, um, and yeah. and leads to Jack Nicholson's uh, memorable line where he says, "I didn't see anything, I well, saw almost nothing, just your tits," which is which is pretty pretty funny i was i was on board with his uh with his character by then because like that's just like flustered ridiculous idiot talk right there yeah and i think that's sweet is most of the time i didn't i mean he works for me earlier because yeah I, I can get on with the whole like he's not supposed to be i mean he's not unlikable but he's not seen as a like valuable like long-term love interest which he also doesn't want to be which i think however makes him at least sort of authentic in who he is and that that works for me and the fa- the fact that amanda peter's like well yeah. he's fun but he's also actually intelligent and I, I can see that like would i necessarily go and i mean i'm 33 would i necessarily go for 66 year old jack nicholson i don't know but i can i can buy that he's very very charming i can buy that you can have a conversation with him that he like has has things to say and uh yeah i mean fair enough like there's definitely other men who are above 60 that i would go for so yeah i mean i would i would uh i would definitely uh date 57 year old diane keaton in this exactly she's she's just she's just cute like this is a weird thing because i never thought of her as as kind of that i mean she's in tons of romantic comedy stuff i never really bought her as the lead as much as I did in this movie. And I don't know what it is, if it's the whole everything coming together, the chemistry, Nancy Myers, who knows? This is to me kind of definitive Diane Keaton romantic comedy. Yeah. And I think I think what it might be also in terms of like looking at the larger plot of this, because obviously how this goes on is, I mean, we all see this coming, then the house together, something happens between them, um, they connect, they end up having sex only after Amanda Pete reassures her mother that they, she didn't actually sleep with him. And sort of that part is completely yeah. like, there's an important... That I kind of, I never, so so there's there's that whole thing. Um, he has to stay in her house in the Hamptons, which which fine i guess that's a suspend yeah, your disbelief thing yeah. like how far is it to bring him back to to new york city new york or like, like he's ridiculously rich he can't yeah. he can't i don't know helicopter like, I, yeah fine okay that's yeah. the movie um and they connect which we we show like the this is the thing that we get to in in terms of romantic comedy right the the ingredient is time it needs to you need to understand over a certain amount of time that these two people connect i don't buy romantic comedies where it's like we're immediately connected and we're in love and now bad things happen to us like it needs kind of like this time that uh, that they get together and <clears throat> then it it's just kind of not super clear to me 
when the actual breakup between Amanda Pete and Jack Nicholson happens. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's pretty spelled out. Like it's two days. Like, I mean, all of this happens within a matter of days. So it's not a ton of amount, of, a great amount of time, but I think it's a unique circumstance. So it works in terms of like this is this weird compressed amount of time where they spend all this time in this house mm. alone, and the fact that she saved his life as well, and that's sort of a weird connection they now have. Um, but I think there's Amanda Pete stops in again, like I don't know, two three days later or something. Um, realizes that there's something happening between them. And then she tells her mother, it's like, well, you know, I just want you to, I, I notice something is happening here. And if you're reluctant about it, just because you think I slept with him, I want you to know I didn't sleep with him. And then she also comes back to the house again and we see her talk to him. Like we don't get their conversation. We just see Diane Keaton watch them have a conversation mm. and there is that other moment that's much more crucial which the audio commentaries also point out as this turning point for him as a character even and for the movie is when he gets let out of the hospital amanda pete sits down next to him on the bed and gives him a kiss on the cheek and they have mm, that conversation yeah, which is just that, on yeah. the cheek and but <laughs> she sort of cements it again like two days later just to clear the fronts with everyone but um Honestly, I'm not even sure I would have needed that necessarily, but they just want to make it very clear. I think also to the I audience. I feel like you that, need like, to you need to make it very clear because otherwise, it does feel kind of wrong that they end up mm. getting close and and sleeping with each other, and and it just kind of that wouldn't work if if it hadn't been spelled out. Just yeah. because I I know this is the kind of movie where where you know most people will watch this on television and tune out at some point. Like you need to spell these things out. Yeah, people are idiots when it comes to romantic comedies. I said no. Um, so yeah, and then and but what I wanted to say is, I think in terms of romantic comedy, why does this all end up working? Also, why does he end up working as a character? Why is Diane Keaton suddenly this like, or for you, it's suddenly this like romantic lead? And I think actually a lot of this is again very Nora Ephron because the whole problem of the movie is. Uh, the personal growth has to happen specifically for him Mm. um for her too but to a lesser degree so we're back with like the structure of when harry met sally the real obstacle they have is not the daughter because that's cleared up very quickly it's not necessarily that it's dated 50 million other younger women like he could stop doing that but that's exactly the point why is he doing this and he needs to figure out for himself why he's not mature enough essentially emotionally mature enough to have a proper relationship to actually be in love with someone and commit um and you know and and i think it is important that at the end he does that for himself like he he goes in this quest of like meeting up with all his former lovers from you know generations which i think is the plot of another romantic comedy that's not quite as successful i'm just saying yeah um and 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 i think that's sort of his replacement for just simply going to therapy but like the fact that he talks to them and figures out how he came off and how he actually hurt them, which is something he never really saw probably. Like he clearly just didn't reflect on the fact that if mm. he's just in all these casual relationships, that is probably hurtful. And I think it's crucial that with Amanda Peters didn't happen because she had a ton of agency in this and she always just wanted to have fun. Like she never actually placed any hopes in this, but apparently or obviously other women did. So that dying. I mean, she went into it knowing about his reputation, which is why she teases yeah. him in the first scene. Yeah. So, so that makes sense, but uh, that's, that's pretty clear. So there's, there's some, 
some kind of fun scenes um, that that lead us down that path. Though there's um, there's a lot of kind of uh, um, uh, there's another whole. Uh, this is basically there's this this movie is like ninety minutes of it is a Nancy Myers movie and the rest the rest of the movie is uh, cribbed together from two Nora Ephron movies. I feel like there's a little bit of the uh, when uh, when Harry met Sally in the in the dinner scene and there is you've got mail in the AOL instant messenger typing. Oh yeah, which is which is very much uh, of the age. Although I do like, I mean, nowadays it would have just been iMessaging, texting, whatever. Um, I do like that it's in there because, A, it's this cute thing of, like, texting someone who's just in the other room, which we now do all the time, which was less common then. But is that, yeah, as you said, it's that you've... But also the fact, I mean, she's a writer. Like, it makes sense for her to mm. maybe open up more to him if she can do it through the medium of writing and not have that immediate they're actually very relatable to millennials because they don't yeah. talk on the phone <laughs> yeah and they also like they do the texting and he's also very charming and that's also how she like that's that's important for her like like she she's a playwright she wouldn't be with someone who is not intellectually on her like level right yeah. also so, i that's think that's just 2000 that's just 2003. That's just relationships in 2003 at some point have that. Yeah. Probably not while you're sitting next to the person, but but yeah. So that's actually kind of a nice of the age little little tidbit. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think there's a nice contrast between the first time they're doing this where they are in the same house in different rooms and this is how they end up going on their date, which is also, I think, an important structure because with time, like usually people go on several dates and they do. They go on a walk to the beach <coughs> together, which is one date. They go have their little, first they have their little thing in the kitchen. So they have dates. Like it's just very compressed into the situation, but they have their little dates and like different stages of their relationship in this very compressed amount of time. And um but there's a contrast between they're doing this in the in the same house and like end up going on a date essentially in their kitchen. Um and uh and then later um when they're already in separate houses and they're just, you know, he doesn't really manage to communicate with her because that's not who he is and he's struggling with that. And it's that they, they sort of end up texting and then he sort of types the I miss you and then erases it again, which is such a... Which like, you can't unsay when you talk on the phone. So that's actually... Exactly. And yeah. super visual. So that's nice. Yeah, it's nice. And also that that slow, like, erasing. And, and it's just it just feels very realistic and it also makes complete sense for the movie. And then, and then Diane Keaton gets her... <laughs> hilarious montage of just crying <laughs> which is like i mean she would have spent several days on set just essentially acting different ways of crying which is exhausting like and um and i know jack nicholson was in the commentary said like this should, like you know how hard this is like this is just amazing and he's just like and he's also laugh like he's laughing like he's watching it and i mean he, for the for second time i think at that point but like it's it's just so funny as well and it gets you can i remember seeing that's just what i remember best i think about seeing it in the theater was that that got a ton of laughs and it got laughs again and again and it goes so on for to too achieve. long which is why it's funny yeah exactly like it's 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 funny right away <clears throat> it stops being funny for like a second then it's funny again and then it's it's so incredible because then it goes into them texting 
and him erasing the I miss you, it's immediately very serious. And then she cries again, but it's no longer funny that she's crying. So it's got like a whole arc to it. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I don't know how long the montage is exactly. Not Probably not long, but like that those few minutes, this couple minutes on screen or however long it is, it's just like, it's, yeah, it's all crying essentially almost. And it's yeah. still like, it goes from funny to heartbreaking. Um, it's just what I, what I think, what I find interesting about this movie, it's, it, it fits kind of, 90 minutes of story into two hours and i think most of that is just spent with them getting to know each other and i kept thinking this movie could be shorter and structurally it definitely could be shorter. you could easily cut 10 minutes out of that movie it would still all work i wonder if they you know what they tried like how far they cut it and how much they they decided to leave in just because well, of that actually, length of time and figuring out that you need the amount of time that you I, do. I can't answer that for you. The first cut of the movie was over two and a half hours long. She had Which, to cut over 40 <clears throat> minutes down and then we're left with the two hours that it is. So I think there's good reasons why she didn't want to cut it to 90 minutes. Um, it would be a different movie, I think, if she did. I don't um, actually, I don't like, I, I, I think the struck cause, cause I keep thinking there's, there's, it's a very simple story and the story is well told, but the middle part, nothing, nothing really happens. The middle part is basically them getting to know each other and you can do that that way or that way. And I really think the reason it's so long is because you need the time to buy that they are falling in love with each other. Yeah, because and I think this otherwise, is... like you basically, uh, it, it the kind of thing that that is economized on in uh, in the uh, in our last movie in Notting Hill, where he just kind of stands and the seasons pass around him. Yeah. Um. Uh. You, if you don't have that like three minute sec- sequence, then you need you need more for that because really. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly all the machinations of all the the things that happen in that second act, um, but they're necessary for these two to get together. Yeah, and I think actually, like, if I would cut something, it would be in that second part, of, uh, in the th- probably the third act of the movie, which is them, f- you know, after they break up, and then he has to, like, you know, wise up. Um, and she meanwhile starts to date Keanu Reeves, which I, I think is also an important step for her. So we do need all that to understand why by the end they can be together and it's actually harmonious and they're actually in a place where they both can emotionally have this relationship. But you also need to do a lot of narration to, to like get them to this point. But this is almost always the movie where it starts to slow down. Like it's not necessarily bad, but that's, Every time I watch the movie, I'm like, oh, right, there's still all of this happening. Right, there's I don't know, still I think a whole like the last third half hour act of happening. The film. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I I was mean, watching this. I was watching this with, uh, with Carrie yesterday. And she, and she said, yeah, um, I thought the movie would have been over at the point that they meet again yeah. in the theater. Like, this is when the movie is over. Um, and and I, I'm pretty sure you could do a movie that ends there. It would structurally be a different movie, yeah. but uh, it's not this one. Yeah, we should add for our listeners that Carrie is your partner. Yes, and she's not together here right now. for like 100 years, whereas I'm tragically... 132, actually. Yeah, exactly. And I'm tragically single, or I'm not saying I keep keep having dysfunctional relationships, which makes us the perfect hosts for a rom-com podcast. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, um, 
And yeah, I mean, the third act, I think, is completely necessary. It's just, yeah, it's always that moment of like, right, all of this is still happening. Um, There's also that moment where he thinks again after they meet in the theater and is confronted by the fact because she writes, end up uh, writing a play about their experience. Um, And and then he has a panic attack, which he thinks is a heart attack. And then the doctor in that ER in New York tells him, you know, you need to essentially slow down. You need to take a break. And he's like, oh, I'm going to the Caribbean. As we learned, he doesn't actually do that. He's there for like a day and then leaves again. I mean, he does go to the Caribbean. Yeah, he does go. But then like instead of staying there for six months, he's like, oh, fuck that. Actually, what I need to do is not just sit down and relax. What I need to do is work through my issues. And again, this is where we are. So with- structurally, right, we have this whole basically second act where there's this this relationship that develops, where they get closer, where they have uh, have sex, where they they bear their souls a little bit, and um, then he kind of gets better and goes back to New York. Is is yeah. is the is the story? And she's still in the Hamptons writing, and then goes back to New York when Amanda Pete calls her with the news that her dad, her former husband, played by and, Paul and Michael like, Glazer. Yes. Yes. I was I was like, this guy seems familiar. This guy seems so familiar. And yeah, he's he's it's Paul Michael Glazer. It's uh, it's Starsky. It's uh Yeah, and I forgot it's uh, Starsky and I kept thinking about it because the thing is on the auto commentary, she obviously does talk about the fact that she wanted someone like that. But she didn't cast him because he's Sturski, uh, Ostersky and Hutch and Miami Vice. Um, but like, the thing is that he's apparently also, I think, a director by now. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm fact checking this. But at least, funny enough, like the the way Nancy Myers talked about him was like, well, I need someone who looks like a director or who is actually a director, like, you know, that fits mm. that type, but also I think he is by now, so it's mostly that, and he she wanted someone who's like, and the other, and the other reason um, she ended up with him was just that he looked enough like Amanda Pete's father, because her issue was that like she cast Diane Keaton and Amanda Peter and she's super happy with them, but they don't look alike. So, and I mean, that happens, but then you need someone who looks enough like her, like, just, oh, she just takes after her dad or, you know, how it's that, it's that bleak house, Jillian Anderson problem, which they totally did not resolve. Um, Um, so she, she goes back, uh, because Amanda Pete is, is kind of crushed by the fact that her dad is having this uh, this new relationship is getting married again and kind of like also to a much back. younger woman yeah. who's actually younger than his daughter. Yeah, which which is there's a there's a whole I'm not going to get into all of that right now, but yeah, there's a there's a whole storyline there, and um, so she comes back to town, which is uh, why she meets Jack Nicholson again. Although I'm 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 kind of unclear about. Why that was necessary when obviously she has the play which is going to be put on in New York. I mean the the plot. Yeah, point but that's is later probably... at that point she's still writing. This yeah. is before we jump in time. And I think it was necessary because this is how she then runs into Jack Nicholson again. Only like a, this is only a couple days after they said mm. she just broke up and he's out again 
dating another young woman because he happens to be in the same restaurant as them. And she's confronted with the fact that her ex-husband is also dating this much younger woman. And it's this whole, like, I mean, this is the recurring theme, right? Jack Nicholson always dates much younger women now that Paul Michael Glazer's character also. And it's just this thing of, like, where does that leave women? And I think the the most telegraphed point, uh, the 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 point in the movie where this is most telegraphed is obviously Frances McDormand at the dinner in the, the women's early study on, professor. The women's study yeah. professor Which we, from we don't we don't do anything else with that. She gets that one scene where she says basically older women are fucked when it comes to dating and here's the patriarchy yeah, and that's the and, reason why. And then she never talks about it again. Yeah, and I think I think it's also interesting because like I mean Frances McDormand is Frances McDormand and she's barely in the film, right? She has a funny like she has a really good humorous moment with Keanu Reeves in the hospital as well. Yeah. Um, and, and mostly, however, she has that dinner scene and that monologue. And that's just apparently why she signed on to the movie, because she wanted to do that monologue, because she felt very strongly about the things her character gets to say. And um, and Nancy Myers was a bit apprentice of, like, you know, putting that in and, like, again, telegraphing so much what this movie is actually also saying. Um, but I think it works because, yeah. you know, it makes him uncomfortable. It like someone actually spells it out, whereas the other characters sort of dance around it because the problem is the other characters on that table are both attracted to Jack Nicholson, whether they know it already or not. Frances McDormand is not having any of his shit. But she is. Okay, so so here's a, here's the <laughs> thing where, where I thought like either it was on purpose or I was misdirected. Uh, there's a scene later when uh, Francis McDormand sees Keanu Reeves at the farmer mar- farmer's market and they do like the little wave and uh, then she basically brings Keanu Reeves to meet Erica, to meet Diane Keaton. I thought this was going to be like a third love story now between Keanu Reeves and Francis McDormand and oh, that no, did not happen. Oh no, she's just the facilitator. She's just like, I brought you back something I don't know. I the market. Of... Look. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally is still waiting for someone to bring back Keanu Reeves from the market for me, but I'm an only child. <laughs> I'm an only child. This won't happen. I mean, Frances McDormand, I think she like she makes eyes at Keanu Reeves in that cute scene where they're first in the hospital and like both of them end up being mm. Frances McDormand, like, oh look, Keanu Reeves and, and Diane Keaton is completely like not even paying attention to him. Um but, um, I mean, she would have also just made a great lesbian. I mean, she's a women's studies professor at Columbia. Who's yeah, again, like, just... we don't make anything of of the rest of her character after the I monologue. want the spin-off of, like, she... It feels like her character wandered in from something else. Like, you know... There's, there's another whole, movie going on. There's a on. whole movie or TV show, probably. Like, I mean, the it, 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 what I'm picturing is... Like she's she's probably at the same version of Columbia that Abe Weissman from Marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Maisel is teaching math at, but like obviously like 20, 30 years later as well. But yeah, it's that that's that sort of like yeah, she's she's great. Um but yeah, in my in my I think in my head she's just a mm. lesbian. Yeah, and I love perhaps. her. But yeah. Um anyway. So um she she yeah. she meets Jack Nicholson later. Uh, they have this whole basically kind of heart to heart, or she she kind of uh, explodes at him for uh, for dating this 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 other woman, which which I I understand like in 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 the sense of like she sees him at the restaurant and and they're obviously kind of in like a flirty way, but 
but I mean, that's mostly her. There, nothing happened there yet. So it's mostly her basically um, uh, going off on him and, uh, and, and kind of, uh, yeah, basically um, confessing her love. That, that's, that's hap- that happens almost, uh, that happens that scene, right? I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. It's that a, they go outside and then she's, and then that's when we go into the montage of, them, of her crying, yeah. et cetera. But it's, it's, I think it matters because obviously like they have this connection, they have sex, but they're also more importantly than having sex is the sleeping together, the actual sleeping mm. in the same bed, which they both said they don't really do. Um, uh, not even him. And then they sleep through the night for like and they actually eight sleep whole hours. Whole Honestly, time. like, I don't know. I would have continued that relationship just so I could sleep eight exactly. hours a night. I mean, um, what are you doing? <laughs> And and, and and that thing, and then uh, she's like, well, you know, I'm in love with you. And he just went back to dating another young woman. And he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I think he is. He's just not emotionally, again, like available or there's ready a, for there's a... to really like reflect that and admit it. So again, this is where the personal growth has to happen for him to like really find out why he's not able to say yeah. this to her. And there to is, to there is a scene in the in the Hamptons house still where he says to her, Erica, you are a woman to love. love and I'm like, yeah. that is a super weird way of way, phrasing that. Yeah. Like um, uh, it's like the New York times, you know, like um, uh, um, people were getting shot kind of uh, way of, of, this of is phrasing Bruno things. Kirby probably like when Harry Metzali's Bruno Kirby uh, <laughs> wrote in a column in the eighties yeah. and then Carrie Fisher's character. And, and, and uh, and and if that was weird, why would you why would you not just say you're lovely or like like he's basically like saying you're a woman to love me, which is kind of basically in essence saying I love you, but without yeah. without but taking himself out of the equation. Yeah, which the reason, of course, he's saying it in that weird way is, is because that becomes the title of her play, and um, so that makes sense. And then he needs to get from you are a woman to love to and I'm the one who loves you. That's that's yeah. the and that's the that happens there. Take. Um, and I think yeah, we sort of laid most of this out now. And then obviously by the very end, I mean the other thing again that happens is that in the meantime, at some point after she sort of gets over him and bites her play, and it's very cathartic for her. And then he finds out, and he actually comes to see her, um, sees the play, has a panic attack, and then starts to wise up. But then there's like six months that happen, and the same six months. Uh, she's dating Keanu Reeves because Francis McDormand nicely brought him back from the market. Um, and and so by the end, like they had talked about the fact that their birthdays are both, I think, in January and that they would like to celebrate in Paris. And if we still know each other then. If we still said, know yeah. each other. And then um, she is actually in Paris with Keanu Reeves and he shows up and didn't know she's with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Um, and so they have that awkward dinner, and um, and I think at that moment the the movie could still sort of go either way. Like he walks out, and it's like, well, I shot my shot essentially, and like has to realize that this won't go anywhere because she's happy with someone else. But then she does show up, and then the end, and then we get that like sort of yeah. And it's because Keanu way. Keanu Reeves basically was like, eh, you're still in love with him, aren't you? Which which I I, Probably, I was really yeah. wondering because. You you can't get that many you know actors in their thirties forties who who you would buy that from right? Keanu Reeves has this very yeah. like I'm a sensible guy. I I know what's what energy about him here, 
So, yeah. so that's the reason this worked. Like you completely buy that he saw that, and he's not, Stupid. he's he's not um, annoyed. He's he's just basically like, yeah, it's it's just the way it is. If you cast anyone else in that, it would be yeah. probably hard to achieve that effect. And we don't again, and we don't even have that scene. We're just implying that this is likely the conversation that just happened. Um, and and I think what I really like is that it's a bit of a trope. Um, but the way they have that moment that probably is actually more the moment that Keanu Reeves realizes what actually happened between them because he probably never really knew um, is that they switched their reading glasses at some point on that weekend in the Hamptons and they never switched them back, obviously. And then in Paris, he pulls his or like mm. hers, for, her former glasses out and then they have a cute moment. But I think that's when Keanu Reeves is like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, we don't see what actually happens between them anymore. It's just she, they, they get together and then there's this like idyllic restaurant scene where and they in all Paris go out for dinner. And, uh, yeah. and then and in then Paris. at the very end when they're back in New York and they're together and then Amanda Pete has a husband now and a child and yeah. Which is kind of like the tag, like the the actual yeah. ending is on the bridge in yeah, Paris. Yeah, on the bridge in Paris. Where, where he is forlornly looking onto the Seine and then a car stops behind him and she walks out. And It always has to be a bridge in Paris. It was a bridge in Paris and Sex in the City. It probably was the same bridge. I, I, I wondered about that bridge because it's probably a very identifiable bridge if you know yeah. Paris a little bit better than I do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's... And then French Kiss and all of the stuff. Like, it's always Paris. We, we need um... to, when we do French Kiss, we need to we need to keep a tab on whether these locations are actually the same locations. If there's just yeah. like an American movie production, romantic comedy comes through Paris, like shot list yeah, that you have to Yeah, and get. that's such a cliche. I mean, I personally don't want to get engaged in Paris, but I seem to be the only person also especially if you believe the Ted Lasso episode where they also reiterate French Kiss and Sex in the City not this movie because it's probably too niche but um but yeah it's always I don't like know I, I, I it was referenced I was listening to to uh, another podcast and somebody like off the cuff just referenced that Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson movie mm-hmm. I'm like oh I guess that's a that's a known movie yeah I mean I don't know I think if you yeah if you said the title maybe not everyone immediately like I, I was yeah, nobody knew the title that. nobody yeah, knew the title yeah, yeah. yeah I mean I, I feel like it's probably a movie uh, like it was successful um in at the time, otherwise Nancy Myers also wouldn't have been able to make more movies yeah. like that. Um, and I feel like it's probably a film that a lot of people saw 20 years ago when it came out, but it's not necessarily something that It hasn't gotten all the, the re-release, a treatment, whatever. Like, I bought the, the copy of, uh, of yeah, Apple. I'm also not sure it's, like, and, streaming. Uh, I mean, that's always regional, but, I like, bought it for three ninety nine, and it's definitely a copy that was made for maybe, like, TV or, like, a DVD release. Like, it's it's it certainly hasn't been updated. Yeah. And, um, and but the interesting thing is that actually Diane Keaton was nominated for an Academy Award for Best. I know Actress. I read that. I kind of don't understand that. Like she's good in oh, this. Oh no, she's really but, good. But I don't know. I, I that and she's Diane feel like... Keaton. That's how the industry works. Don't <laughs> yeah, forget I guess, how like, the industry oh, works. Diane Keaton needs needs to get a nod again. Like this. Um, I mean, she that. did win the Golden Globe. It's I mean, probably just the crying scene. The way the way this happens is that you know uh, most people who have been nominated before people know will get nominated again, and it also has to do with the buying power and the studio push to even get people this far. There's so many films that should have gotten awards um or even nominations and never even go there simply because they don't have the money 
Oh yeah, I mean it's like all prizes. So, it's like it's yeah. like design prizes are basically like how many, how much marketing budget do like, you have to enter all your products in the. Like in if the, the world was fairer, the twenty twenty one Academy Awards Best Drama Film would have been Mass by Fran Kranz, um, that nobody saw because that's how the industry works. But it was probably the best film of the year, and uh, it got nowhere near any awards because it didn't have any kind of money behind it, and that's how anything works. And if if this is a big rom-com with Jack Nicholson, Diane Keaton, obviously it will get yeah. backing to get... I mean, she didn't win, which I think is also fair. Um, I mean, I don't know who she was nominated against. Again, she won a Golden Globe. I think that's very deserved. She's she's, she's very good, good, she's in, good this. in this, but is it is it Oscar-worthy? I don't who know. Knows? Yeah, probably not. I, I would have to look up who won Best Actress in a Comedy in 2000. Yeah. All right, we need... But, um, we, we, we went through the movie. We still need... Uh, we need to do a couple of, of, of housekeeping things. We need to do our fake taglines and yes. the real taglines. Um, so um, the interesting thing is the real taglines, they don't exist. At least I couldn't find them. Maybe the tagline is just something's got to get. I don't know if we stop doing them. I feel like I've seen less films with like clear recognizable taglines. Um, they seem to be less a thing in marketing nowadays or even like 20 years ago so there isn't one so i guess whatever fake taglines we come up with are now the official taglines of the movie so what's your fake tagline <laughs> my my fake tagline is everyone leaves the lights on in the hamptons because <laughs> like uh, that that whole scene really just only works if randomly at 2 a.m when they're in completely par different parts of the house all the house lights are on um I don't know. It's just the thing I noticed in these days in which we're trying to conserve energy, which 2003, different time. Different times. My fake tagline is kitchen debate. <laughs> because A, well, if you don't know the kitchen debate was in 1950s. Richard Nixon. Anyway, um, no, but I think it works because as they also point out in the audio commentary, like... Almost all the scenes in the house happened in the kitchen or the very crucial scenes. And they kept shooting in the kitchen set and had to come up with different angles. But Nancy Myers is also known for having these like very elaborate kitchens for their for her characters, mm. her mostly female lead characters, um, and that they all love to cook or bake. And, um, and it, it's complicated. Meryl Streep's character even is like a professional mm. uh, cook. So uh, I think, um, and I mean, yeah, so there's a lot of crucial scenes for this film that happened in kitchens. I mean, we could also go on that 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 Nora Ephron um, uh, down down that trajectory and call it when Harry met Erica because uh, of that that yeah, dinner scene sort of feels, and the, um, the whole like you've got mail thing that yeah. that they've got going on. There's just something very late '90s, early 2000s about this movie that I liked, and I was trying yeah. to I was trying to nail this down. There's a whole debate. Um, that I that kind of like rattled into about um, why these movies look like they do. And it has to do with, you know, the kind of film stock that you would use, but also the kind of lighting that was yeah. like in fashion at the time. And these movies always just feel very, they feel elevated, but real. Like there's no crazy color grading. There's no, there's, yeah. they're still glamorous, but they're a little bit, uh, got a little bit of an edge because this was all done on film still and the transfers aren't perfect. So there's something really kind of comfortable about movies from that era. Yeah. And I think Nancy Myers is super particular about also coloring, especially also in the costumes. So uh, like Diane Keaton's 
Cost wardrobe is like all these whites, and then Jack Nicholson's wardrobe is all these blacks, which is also the white and black stone thing that like she always collects mm. white stones from the beach, and he gives her a black like I think that's in there. And there's one scene that they apparently fought about because there's one scene in the market early on where Jack Nicholson wears a shirt that is his own, which is like this green yellow. I remember that shirt. shirt. Yes, I remember that shirt. And that I actually noticed super, that shirt. Super youthful. And I think that's the point. And he also said he wanted to wear something that looked like they were on the beach, especially because they didn't have that much time on the beach, also because of the weather and they had to mm. shoot around that. Um, but it also works because it looks like something a teenager would wear or a much younger man would wear. And it totally works for me. But apparently, Nancy Myers had a almost mental breakdown about him wanting to do the shirt if you're gonna uh, be particular about things you because end up being yeah and he also wears blues everything. but like he wears blue and he wears black and he, he's, he's like, dark he's in dark yeah. colors and she's in and, and until she she wears that dress for the non-date yeah. with keanu reeves which is also black so mm-hmm. there's actually so, yeah. one time that i noticed the the colors when Frances McDormand and Diane Keaton were basically almost in the same color and it just looked mm. slightly weird, which, I mean, in normal life, this would happen all the time, uh, that people would just happen to wear white, uh, both the same. It just like feels like in movies you would not do that, but since she's very particular about colors, that must have been on purpose. Yeah. Um, and also a good segue to review. So what we didn't talk much about, I mean, we talked about the age difference thing. What we haven't really talked about is the fact that the two of these leads are above the age of 50 and in this case above the age of 60. So um, again, I looked it up. Keaton was 57 when she did this. Nicholson was 66. And that wasn't a thing we did. Like we still don't really do this. Um, and what was interesting for me when I looked at reviews, I mean, I usually glance over them because a lot of the full reviews aren't online anymore after that time. So you get the bits and pieces on like mm. Metacritic, but um, not that many people point that out. They mostly call it like a middle age romance, which I thought was interesting. I guess it is technically if they're fifties and sixties. I mean, they're still alive, both of them. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, also from my point of view, when I watched it twenty years ago, I would have been thirteen. So obviously, me looking at uh, people in their late 50s and mid 60s and i mean he does like old he does, jack nicholson than... looks uh, an early 2000s 60 plus he does not look a 2023 yeah. 60 plus there, there's like not the crazy you know tom cruise trying to make you 20 years younger thing going on like he's he looks as yeah. old as he is and and so does she like there's no her her hair color isn't dyed yeah. or anything like diane keaton doesn't dye her herself so yeah. it's like very much what do you know her as and i mean yeah and i mean i feel like it's interesting i do however sort of like this might be misremembering or the fact that i was that young when i saw it but like I remember that at least sort of the discourse around me, which would have been my mother and like my friend's mother. I remember seeing this with a friend and then both of our mothers, I think um, very much like being like thrilled about the fact that this was a film that also specifically starred a woman that was mm. over the age of 30 or even over the age of 40. And in this case, 57 um, who, you know, looked, her age, but look good, you know? And like that this was, and it was about like a second life, like yeah. second chance. Which they also point like, out, Amanda Pete points that out at some point yeah. that, that uh, she's never looked 
better i think yeah and and, and, yeah. and like you know that 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 people have lives at that age and have romance at that age and it, that was a big deal in the early 2000s especially if you think about like coming off the 90s and yeah. into the early 2000s there was so much like crazy body image talk and like an age as well and like everyone needing to look really young and having plastic surgery and whatever so it's like it, it definitely mattered and I think we've grown a bit more accustomed to it but it's still not super mainstream I mean now we've had shows like Grace and Frankie um but I which mean, I think that's kind of what product, this reminded but, me of yeah. the most also because of the beach setting um yeah. which is probably something that's kind of inspired by, by things yeah. like this yeah yeah, and I think this is the things where it's like, okay, people sort of remember this movie, but it's not become necessarily this, like, staple as something like when Harry met Sally and Notting Hill did. But it did do think it broke some ground in terms of, like, mm. what kind of stories can we tell in the medium? And then Nancy Myers herself also did a few, like, it's complicated. It's the same, like, middle-aged, older-age. It's Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin. Who all would have that been is the one that I was confused age. this one with. I always thought this um, was it's complicated. And 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 so she did more of these, but like I feel like that really like this would have been one of the first ones that actually did this. And I think um it's sort of not what people think about now, but it, it definitely did something new with the genre, but also on a larger scale for the industry. Because yeah, it but it also I mean it fun. doesn't deviate from the genre too much. It basically no. that is its invention. That's why it That's works. Because everything yeah, else is paint it's by it's numbers. And because it works normally well. we get the twenty somethings, maybe thirty somethings. And I think even when Harry Mazzelli, like they jump in time obviously, yeah. but it's still interesting that they spent most of their film in their thirties and forties, which was which is not a lot of the rest of the genre as well. Um, so yeah, and um, just just a few funny uh, review tidbits for the end here. Um, I just pulled out the sentence. Uh, Sean Levy in the Oregonian, big publication, as cinema, it's polenta. And I don't know what he's trying to say. I think he's trying to say it's a fulfilling enough meal. But bland, I guess. I guess. Um, and yeah, lo lots of people, everyone called it middle age, which now I would co-sign, but I remember thinking like, I mean, isn't this, is this still really like, when I think middle age, I still think people in their 40s more and 50s rather than 50s and 60s, but technically they're correct. Um, I think the harshest review were, that I found was with the lowest like, rating was from The Voice. <laughs> I guess it's also just not, the audience uh, anemic with free entertainment i'm like i feel sorry for this person because this film is definitely funny um, it's funny it's got some funny when jack nicholson slides off the bed i laughed out loud there's there's some funny lines in there um which actually we need to get to to, to best lines so um we can we can do that then but it's it's a funny movie i i do i kind of understand why it's not these the go-to staple romantic comedy yeah. um but it's it's decent. It's decent entertainment. It's. I would not have felt like uh, I wasted my money when I watched this in the cinemas in 2003. It would have no. been perfectly fine. And and again, Roger Ebert, I'm really beginning. I mean, I always knew who Roger Ebert was, but I can't say that I ever sat down and read his reviews because I'm too young for that. But um, into German. <laughs> but um, like... I'm, I feel myself agreeing with him every time because, like, one of the things he said was, you know, um, when people are complaining, because there are some reviews that do this, that Nicholson is essentially playing himself, 
they're missing the point because I don't think he is like he's playing someone who's maybe close to the version of Jack Nicholson uh, we know, but he's very much like and and if you if you listen to the audio commentaries, you get that impression. He's such a the why he's such a good actor and why he can do all these genres and why we believe him when he's you know, crying, why we believe him when he does slapstick, <laughs> why, why he's funny when he does slapstick. But he, he's he's incredibly, like, in this. And he's, like, in, apparently incredibly prepared. Like, whenever he shows up, like, obviously he knows his lines, he shows up in time, he's just a professional actor. But he apparently, like, thinks through everything to an enormous degree. He's just super focused like apparently even with like props he always knows what to do and like Diane Keaton says like she's she has a very different approach like um and he always knows everything he's thought everything through he even says like in the in the scene where they first meet like they meet cute in the kitchen for him that's when he sort he, he thinks his character falls in love with Diane Keaton then and there it's just something that's so unusual for him that he doesn't fully register what's happening. But this is something he has in the back of his mind when he's playing that scene, whether that's there or not. And there's these little things, and it's like he's just and 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 yeah, it's I think it's actually insulting to Jack Nicholson to go, oh, he's just playing himself. Like that's not what he's doing. Um, and I think that the movie, like the the thing that will always stand out is. Definitely his performance and Diane Keaton's performance in them together, which granted is also something that most reviews say yeah. is the and which I'm factor. I'm still I'm still not a hundred percent on board with with that that pairing, but uh, it's the movie the movie makes it work, but yeah. that's just a personal yeah. personal but think, thing. But I think individually they're like definitely had great performances oh they are um, there, there's there's no there's no doubt about it it's just um you know sometimes you like it sometimes you don't yeah and uh for me especially in the beginning that was it was kind of an i mean they they they, they had chemistry by the end um which i suppose is how the movie is supposed to make you work um make you make you think but um yeah we have one key question that we ask of any movie and the movie never answers but we do is this a rom-com? Yes. Yes. It is. It's and I mean, very I think definitively a rom-com. Definitively, because it's also actually funny. And I think that's the thing that some of these movies forget or just yeah. don't make work. When Which is, work. I think, a hard thing to, to judge a movie by because it may be funny to other people and not you. So sometimes I guess I would give a movie a little bit of leeway there. But it's it's funny. It's Romantic. It's intentionally funny, and the people who are making it. And at the heart of has, the movie is it has the people. A, a broader range of humor, like there's just some this this witty dialogue. There's some actual like slapstick even in it, or like physical comedy. There's just different forms of comedy in their work, and uh, it obviously is romantic because it does deal with relationships and love and at the end there's a happy ending which again i think is important for it to be one i will stand by this i will die on this hill um so i'm glad they get together in the end even though poor keanu reeves but i'm sure someone else will picking him up at the market there's so. a there's a there's a whole storyline where francis mcdormand t- picks him up and introduces him to different people and then at some point it works out well, she does end up dating herself. She, so she's not a lesbian. She's bisexual. All right, in my okay. head, Frances McDormand is, is okay, definitely yeah, yeah, not. Okay, yeah, okay. That she's makes queer. sense. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, cool. That's All right. uh, something's That's gotta give. Something's gotta give.
Um, ratings. Well, um, how many uh, 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 falls <laughs> in the kitchen? I give it. I give it five out of five hospital gowns. <laughs> That's very nice. Um, uh, for me, it's for me, it's a four again. Like there's there's just there's just a tad bit of a resistance here on my part for um, for Jack Nicholson to be the romantic lead when basically he walks in from The Shining. But that's no. that's my own thing. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm.